Acts chapter 16, turn with me at six, verse number 6. Stand if you would please. I'm going to read 6 through 10. Acts chapter 16, we're looking at verses 6 through 10. Now the Bible says, Now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank you again for tonight. And Holy Spirit, I ask you that you'd help me tonight, please. Help my words, my thoughts tonight be yours and not mine. And God, that you would speak to the hearts of these that are here tonight. I don't know what the need is tonight, but Holy Spirit, you do. You know what needs to be said. And God, I pray that you would say exactly what needs to be said. And Father, that folks would respond to the message tonight. I pray they came tonight looking for something. And pray, God, that you would bless in that area. Thank you again for what you're doing in this church. And Lord, just all that you've done for this church. And thank you for Pastor Jeff and his people. We ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but I like to have fun, okay? So, anyway, if you're not smiling right now, I am going to get you to smile before this service is over with, all right? Just so you know, I don't care how tough you are. Some of you guys down here, it ain't going to work, I can tell already. But here in Acts chapter 16, the Apostle Paul has an opportunity now, when it comes to the work of God, when it comes to the things of God, everything starts with a desire. Amen? Amen. Anything that you want to do for God, you have to have a desire for it. Right. Now, I had a desire to do Bible translation work. Not really to do it, but to see it done. Amen? Right. How many times have we desired something? We saw something and said, you know, Lord, it would be good if this happened. It would be good if we did this. But can you send somebody else? You don't know how many times sitting in the country of Nepal, looking at the people, dealing with different languages on a day-to-day basis that I would pray and I'd say, Lord, these people need the Bible in their language. These people need the Bible in their language. I had a desire to see the Word of God in other languages, but at the end of every prayer, it always ended like this, but not me, Lord. Now, y'all didn't do that kind of stuff, right? Y'all don't do any of that? Listen, if you're going to do anything for God, you've got to have a desire to do something for God. You just don't jump in somewhere and say, this looks like fun. It's like I was telling a couple young men tonight about Bible translation. If you're going to do Bible translation, you better know God's in it. If you're going to go to the mission field, you better know God's in it. If you're going to do anything for God, you better know that God is in it. Because if you don't know for sure God's in it, then don't do it. Because somewhere along the way, something's going to happen. Somebody's going to get you discouraged and something's going to cause you to quit. Because your focus is more on what's around you and those that you're in contact with than on the one that called you. But it all starts with a desire. Paul had a desire to go to one place. He wanted to go over to this particular place, but God wouldn't let him. 
When I decided to go, I mean, I didn't really have a desire to go to the mission field. I honestly didn't. My ideal of the mission field, as a young man, I got saved at the age of 18 years old. I was not raised in a Christian home. Matter of fact, my dad hated church and hated preachers. And I'm the oldest of three kids. So I'm the oldest son, the oldest of three. So needless to say, when God called me to preach, it was not a favorable thing in my family. I remember I got saved at the age of 18 because of a young lady. I was interested in this young lady, but the only way I could spend time with this young lady was to go to church. I didn't grow up going to church, so I didn't know much about church. My dad said, the only thing good about preachers is to take your money. Mm. Now, I'm sure Brother Jess not this way. <laughs> there was no amens in that. That is not a good sign. That is, that's not good, Pastor. I, I'm sorry. I, didn't mean, I should have never said that. But I, honest truth is, the first time I stepped into church, I walked into church with my hand on my billfold. Because I was saying, nobody's getting my money. I'm a young man working. I'm making some money. And I'm thinking, I'm keeping everything I got. But this young lady right there, I was interested in her. And I wanted to get to know her. So I started going to church. I listened to the gospel for a year. But it wasn't until I got ready to go into the military that God really got a hold of me because I was about to get on a plane to fly down to basic training and the thought occurred to me, if that plane went up and it went down, where would I be? And I knew exactly where I would be. I'd be in hell. And so I went down Wednesday before I left, got my preacher ahead of time before church even started. I said, I'm not waiting for the invitation time. I got to take care of this now. Got saved on a Wednesday night. When I say saved, that means I received Christ as my Savior and my only hope for heaven. Specify that, okay? I'm not trusting in my church. I'm not trusting in what I do. I'm trusting in Christ and Christ alone. Amen. Baptized on Sunday morning, on a plane Monday morning, headed down to San Antonio, Texas. And even then, as a young man of 18 years old, knew nothing about church, knew nothing about God, just learning, just starting to read my Bible, I had a desire to do more than the average. I didn't know what God wanted, but I had a desire to. And that's the thing about desires. When you desire to really do something for God, when you really want to do something for God or see something done, God will, he'll get you going in the right direction. And like Paul, after the desire was there, the desire was there, but he had no direction. How many of y'all know the story about Abraham? Everybody know the story? There in Acts, or Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about how he was called out and he went out. And when he went out, he didn't know where he was going. Yes. Can you imagine being married and having a family and going to your wife one day and say, Honey, God wants us to go that way. Mm. Where are we going? I don't know. We're going that way. <laughs> Most ladies today would say, Well, you get there. Once you get settled in, let me know and I'll meet you over there, okay? Yeah. Amen? Yes. But he didn't know where he was going, but he knew God called him. And God directed him, and basically all God said was, just pack it up and start moving. I'll tell you when to stop. When, God get, when you have that desire to do something for God, God will direct you where he wants you to go. 
And wherever he directs you, he's going to give you the ability to do it. I didn't think I could do Bible translation work. I mean, I said, Lord, I'm in my 50s and I got to go back to get my master's degree and I'm going to school with 20 to 25-year-old kids. Mm. Professor asked a question and I'm thinking, I'm looking through my nose and all these young punks, <laughs> their hand, I, I got the answer, I got the answer. Like I'm like, shut up, give me a second here. I'm trying to figure this out. And by the time I would figure out one question, the professor already moved on to the next one. I thought, Lord, I'm in trouble. You're in trouble. It's what you got to work with. First, that first uh, oh, six months, I was doing three hours of school every day. And then I would go home and sleep for three hours. It wore me out. My mind, it was exhausted. Now listen, when you get into your 50s, you got a lot of files up there. How many of y'all are older? Don't tell me what your age is, okay? I don't want to know. But the older you get, the more stuff that's up there. You get into your 50s and start working on your master's in linguistics, it means you got to start shifting some files around, amen? I had a lot of files to shift around. But I knew that's what God wanted. That's the way that he directed, and I surrendered. But listen, God will direct you in the way he wants you to go. Listen, this is a mission field. Did y'all know that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Where you are at is a mission field. All of us should have a desire to reach our place where we're at for Christ. It is not this man's job to reach Sioux Falls. It is his responsibility to do his part. But it's yours and my, I'm not mine because I don't live here. But it's yours and his together to reach this city for Christ. If you don't have a desire to see people saved, there's a problem. Do you know God commands all of us, go ye therefore. Did he say go ye pastors? Did he say go ye there missionaries? He said go ye. Did he say go ye old people? Did he say go ye young people? No. So you look at me and you think, well, I'm too young. I can't do that kind of stuff. You young guys just, you have just, if you're saved and on your way to heaven, do you know you men, you young men here have just as much of the Holy Ghost as I do? Yes. The moment you receive Jesus Christ, you got as much of him as I did. That means you have just as much of a capability to do something for God at your age as I do at my age. Young ladies alike, same thing. But when you, when you have a desire to do, earnest desire, I'm talking about earnest desire, not fly-by-night stuff like, oh, that looks good, that looks good, we should try to do this, we should try to do that. You earnestly want to do something with your life. God will direct you like he did Paul. He told him, okay, look, here, this is the way I want you to go. But you know, most of us, we get that desire, and so many Christians today stop at a desire. That's where they stop. They got a lot of ideals. They got a lot of plans. They got a lot of visions, but that's as far as it goes. Then when God begins to direct, they start backing up and say, wait a minute now, I don't know about that. I don't know, Lord, you know, are you sure about this? When God directs you and you know without a doubt that's what God wants you to do, you got to make a decision, amen? 
Now, how many of you here tonight, you don't have to raise your hands, but just think about this. How many of you here tonight, you know without a, God, a doubt that God has something specific for you to do? He don't call all of us into the ministry, amen? Right. He, but he calls all of you to do something. Yes. Do you know that the nursery work, to me, is probably one of the most important jobs in the church? Yes, sir. Yeah. I had seven children, folks, five girls and two boys. I can change diapers, okay? And especially when you start having boys. They used to warn me. I had my girls first. You don't worry about this stuff with girls. But then you have a son, and you have to really get fast. Because them little boogers, they take target practice on you, okay? You got to watch them. You know, I'm not normal, folks. Yeah, I just... I'm not sophisticated. I'm backwoods. I mean, I, I'm, they, they call me a hillbilly, but that's okay. But listen, I, I mean, I, when I look at the nursery work, some people look at that and say, man, I don't want to do that job. That's a, that is your opportunity. If you're doing the nursery, that is your opportunity to have an influence for yes. the cause of Christ. That's right. Because you never know what mom or dad might drop off their kids at the nursery never been to church before, don't know for sure they're going to heaven, you may be the one reason why they decide to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. No job in this church is too small. And if you've got a desire to do something specific for God, do it, whatever it is, in the church, outside of the church, in another country, in your own city, but do it. If he directs, move. I'd rather move. My wife asked me one day, honey, aren't you tired of fighting the battles? We're 60 years old. Aren't you tired? I said, yes, I'm tired. But I know that to, to not fight the battle, it will cost me a lot more. That's oh, good. I will pay less of a cost if I keep fighting than I will if I stop fighting. Folks, I got seven children and 10 grandchildren and one on the way. The lives that my wife and I have had the opportunity to influence, if I stop fighting, what happens to all those that look at me? Yes, sir. What's going to happen to those that are watching you if you stop fighting and start doing? When God gives you a desire and he directs you, just keep moving forward. Is it always going to be easy? No. I mean, I'm living in a third world country. I mean, there, there was days. At the time we were there, and I know we were talking to your pastor because he's familiar with the Travises, Joel and Tahana. We're good friends with them over there. There was times where we were losing electricity for up to 18 hours a day. I have children. Can you imagine a bunch of kids, no electricity? Keeping them occupied? Amen? We don't get running water all the time. We have a tank down at the bottom of our house. The city turns it on about twice a week. So you get whatever you get on the day they turn it off, that's what you get to use for the next couple days till you get more water. You pump it up to the top of your house and you pray that the city's very generous that day. And then even when you get the water, you can't drink it because you don't want what comes from it. This is city water. You boil it and you filter it. 
Because the stuff you get from that water, when we were there back in those days, it, less than three days it would kill you. Dysentery. So bad. Hey, but that's where God wanted us. Trust me, when I made the decision to go that direction, I haven't regretted it. Has it been, has it been easy? No. But when, God, when you get a desire to do something for God and he directs you, the best thing to do is say yes. Trust me, I know. When I got saved at the age of 18 years old, God called me to preach a year later. I'm wet behind the ears. My ideal of preaching, first time I ever preached behind a pulpit, I was in a pair of blue jeans, tennis shoes, flannel shirt, and a belt with a buckle the size of Texas. Okay? That was my first preaching outfit. I preached, my pastor, he, was, he said he wanted to get me up there and try it. So 45 minutes. I preached for 45 minutes. I promise it won't be that way tonight. I preached for 45 minutes. Afterwards, I found out that night that all Baptists are liars. Everybody come up and they're like, oh, Brother Ortez, that was the best message I ever heard. You did so good. It was so wonderful. And of course, by, that time, by the time everybody's, everybody's done, I'm thinking, well, I can do this. <laughs> My pastor's like, James, here, why don't you t listen to this? This is your message tonight. I said, oh, okay, great. This ought to be good. I listened to that message. I said, Lord, shoot me now. <laughs> there's no way I can do this. Yeah. I, there's no way. Because growing up as a kid, I was an introvert. My ideal of fun was going to school, coming home, doing my homework, going to bed, and getting up and doing it again the next day. I had no friends. I didn't know how to talk to people. Now my wife says she can't shut me up. <laughs> but hey, when you're saved by the grace of God and he's called you to do something, you can't help but say something. It's like Jeremiah said, I'm, I'm done, Lord. You know, you've deceived me. This is enough. I just reading that this morning. This is enough. He said, I'm, I'm quitting. But he said, then I couldn't because it was burning inside of me. Yes, sir. See, you, if you get that desire and God directs, just say yes. I told God no that I, about going to the mission field. And I ran from him for six years. Six years I ran from him. Do you know when you run from God and you don't do what God says, you're not the only one that's affected by it. When you don't do what God says, it will affect everybody else around you. I was miserable. I made my family miserable because I was not in the will of God. And finally, at 10 years in the military, I had just surrendered. I just signed the paperwork for six more years of military service. But I knew God had called me to be a missionary. I wasn't ready. I didn't want to do it. But God caught a hold of me that night in a missions conference. A man said, missionary said, if God's calling some of you in here to do something, you better do what he says before he stops calling. Mm -hmm. Folks, don't get to the place where you can't hear God speaking to you. Right. Yeah. But you keep telling him no, and you keep shunning him when he's trying to get you to move a certain way. It'll get to the place where you can't hear him. I didn't want to be that way. I surrendered. I said, Lord, God, forgive me. I'll go. I said, but we got a problem. I just re-enlisted for six years. You know the military. You sign the paper. You're stuck. Two weeks after that, 
They started downsizing. And as I was telling your pastor, 10 months after that, I walked out with an honorable discharge. You decide to do what God wants, he will make the way. But the one thing that I always like about Paul and everything that he did was his determination. He had a desire, he had direction, he made the right decision, but the determination that he had to do whatever it took to do God's will was amazing. Listen, you're going to do anything for God, there's a cost. Teach Sunday school class, there's a cost. Work the nursery, there's a cost. There's a cost to the work of the Lord, but trust me, it's worth the price. Yes. There in Nepal, uh, when we got my wife, bless her heart, she's, she's been with me now for 40 years. 40 years she's put up with me. Because I'm as, I'm as hard-headed as a mule. I mean, trust me, I do have a head like a rock, that's for sure. I, I was, one day I was trying to do something in our kitchen. We had this metal fan up there, and I forgot all about it. So I got up on a chair, went to go reach around the tent and turned this direction and got hit right in the head with that fan. Three stitches. It was fun. Anyway, but at, at, when we went to the field in 1999, my wife and I knew that's what God wanted us to do. And we're like, Lord, whatever you want, that's what we want. But we knew there was going to be a cost. You leave here and go there, there's a cost because it's not like America. But we just said, Lord, please, you just help us. Help us to see what you see, not what we want to see. You help me to look at those people the way you see them. Because I wanted, I wanted to be able to see them the way God saw them. And over the years, God did that, and it's been amazing. But when we left, my wife was one, one month away from delivering our son. 11,000 miles. It took an average of 36 to 48 hours to get there. She's one month away from delivering. Now, ladies that have had children, you, you understand that, okay? And bless her heart. And we had three teenage girls going back to a third world country where human trafficking was a real thing. We were told when we left, keep a close eye on your girls. But folks, the, the safest place is wherever God's will is. You find that out real quick. But we got there, one month later, my son was born, Sheldon. One month, I had my first son. I had five girls and I had my first son. My wife, she was determined. You got to have a son. So when we, got, when we got ready to try for Sheldon, she's like, honey, you need a son. I said, I know. I would love to have a son. She said, we're going to try. I said, well, my track record's not real good right now. <laughs> I got five girls, okay? I figured I was going to have a, you know, all girls basketball team or something. You know, I just, but Sheldon came along. We were so excited. Being in a third world country, it didn't matter to me. The conditions, and he was born there in Kathmandu. Almost fell off the table. My wife tried to tell that Indian doctor, look, he's coming. But she just thought, she just thought those, us, the foreign women were weak. But she's like, look, I've already given birth to five children. I know. Well, he comes three months after he was born. We wake up at, at three o'clock in the morning three months after he's born. 
We wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. He's got blood in his diaper. Nothing from here down is coming out. He had gotten what was called intersusception. The small intestine separated from the large intestine and began working itself down into the large intestine. So he was blocked up from the waist down. The only thing coming out was stomach acid. Here's this three-month-old little bitty guy. His face is all broken out. And my wife and I are like, what are we going to do? Brother Sellers, the gentleman I was telling you about, they were downstairs at the time. Praise God for other missionaries that know what they're doing. They got us to the hospital. We got to the hospital at 3.30 in the morning. The first doctor didn't show up till 9. So for five and a half hours, we're sitting there with this little bitty body, this little bitty boy. He's hurting, and we don't know how to help him. We don't know what to do. Finally, the doctor comes in, tells us what's going on, and he tells us that it's a good thing you brought him in because he would have died. But he had to have surgery at three months. And honest, honest truth, folks, I thought I was going to lose my son. I just got him. He was only three months old. But you know, for every one of our children, when my wife and I, had, when we started having children, we told God from the very beginning, they belong to you. And I told the Lord that day as I was looking down at this little body and I said, Lord, you know, thank you for three months. If you want him, he's yours. I'm in a third world country. I don't speak the language. All I know to do is pray. By 3 o'clock, he's in surgery. By 3.30, he's out of surgery. And now he's 24 years old, married, has one son and one coming. He's finishing his third and final year of his master's degree to become a Bible translator. And I got to be one of his teachers his first year of school. But when we went to that country, we knew there was going to be a cost. And I'm glad we stayed. Folks, anything that you do for God, there's a cost to pay. But you've got to determine that when God tells you to do something, you're not stopping until he stops. Good. You're not quitting until God says that's enough. I don't plan on retiring. I know some guys that get up there in older years, they want to retire. I don't plan on retiring. I mean, my ideal retirement is six feet in the ground. I want to be behind the pulpit preaching or in an elevator. I know some of you are thinking, elevator. I told you I'm not the smartest guy in the block here. But, I mean, my thought of going up is, you know, one of these days being in an elevator, hitting the up button and just keep on going. Can you imagine that? Hit the button, and when the door opens, there he is. That's exciting. You youngins, I tell you, you know what I mean? But listen, I, I, you've got to be determined. I mean, there, there was one time I had a lady that was trying to kick me out of the country. She came to my house with police telling them that I was a Baptist preacher, a Baptist missionary. They're converting the people. And in the country of Nepal, it's against the law to convert people. And they were coming to arrest me. But my landlord 
He's talked him into saying, no, 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 he's a good man. If you ask him to come, he'll come. So I had to go down to the police station and sit in the office of the police chief of that area. I got in there. This lady's over to this side. She's, she's just going at it with him. Because what it was is in the church that I had started there and was working in, this lady was coming in. She claimed to be a Christian. She was coming in, and she was laying her hands on our people, on my people, when there was things wrong in their life. In other words, if they were sick or they're having troubles, she's laying her hand on them, trying to cast out demons. She was trying to convince my people that everything that bad that happens to you is because of demons. Folks, that's not Bible. No. I showed her what the Bible says. We went to, the, hey, listen, a lot of stuff that happens bad to us because our own stupidity, amen? But I showed her, and we talked, me and Brother BJ, we talked to her and told her, look, if you're going to do this, you cannot come. If you keep this up, you cannot come. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to reach somebody for Christ. And in their country, it's easy to get them to Jesus Christ, but it's difficult to get them to the place where he's the one and only. You live in a country where they have over 30 million different gods. So it's very easy for them to accept Christ as a God, but difficult to accept him as the one and only. Yeah. So you work hard to get people to Christ. And I sat there in the, that office, that police chief, and finally he says, well, you tell me your side. He'd been listening to her. And I knew that anytime there's a problem between a foreigner and a Nepali, if the police get involved, statistics have shown the Nepali always wins. The foreigner always loses. And I thought I was done in that country. But he looked at me and the Lord, uh, as clear as could be, gave me something to say. I said, Chief, I said, uh, do you have a rule book for your officers? He said, yes. I said, what happens if your officers don't follow the rules? He said, well, we punish them. I said, well, what happens if they continue to not follow the rules? He said, well, they can't be police officers. I said, well, we're Christians and we have a rule book. It's called the Bible. Amen. This lady does not want to follow the rule book. And we have told her that if she doesn't want to follow the rule book, she can't come to our church. Good. He stopped. He sat there for 15 minutes. Didn't say a word. That's not a comfortable situation to be in when you're a foreigner. I'm thinking, okay. So me and Brother BJ, we're praying. Finally, after 15 minutes, he looks at me. He says... This is not a police problem. This is a problem for your church. He made the woman go in the next room, sign a statement stating that if she would not follow the rules of our church, which was based on the Bible, yeah, that she could not go to that church, to our church. And if she did and still didn't want to follow the rules, she would be arrested and go to jail. You're going to do something for God, you better be determined. Because trust me, you get that determination in you that you're going to do whatever it takes, no matter what God says or what anybody else says around you, and you're going to do it until God says that's enough or to stop, God will make a way. Amen. And God will do what he says he can do. Yes. 
You know, I don't know about you, but I'm in it for what he can do, not for what I can do. And it's exciting. We saw one lady get saved. She was a witch doctor. And she was the moneymaker of the family. That was how her family got income, was through witchcraft. She got saved, and guess where the money went? It went to God. She started giving to the church. She gave to the Bible college. She, was bring, she said, I want to help these young men and ladies train for the ministry. Her family disowned her. I mean, literally, she almost lost everything. But that's the kind of country we live in. You take a stand for Christ, you're going to pay the price. And many times, them people, they'll lose everything they have. Family disowned them. We had a young man, one of our first graduates of that five that you saw on the video. He was 16 years old when his mom and daddy kicked him out of the house because he was a Christian. He came to our Bible college. He graduated, went back out into the village where he was from and started a church of his own. Guess who started coming to his church? His family. And now all of his family are on their way to heaven today. Just get determined that no matter what happens, you're going to do what God says. Because it is worth the price that you have to pay. It is. People look at missionaries and say, boy, you guys sacrifice. It's not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to do what God wants you to do. Are we anything special? No. We're just like you are. But you know, you have just as much of an opportunity to have an impact here as I do over there. Now the question is, are you having the impact that you could have? Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Time of invitation time. I promised God a long time ago that anytime I preach, I'd always give an invitation. Now, I don't know what the need is in here tonight, folks. I don't know how God has spoken to your heart. Maybe there is someone in here tonight. God's been dealing with you. You've got that desire. He's given you a direction, but you've been holding off on making a decision. Well, why don't you let tonight be the night you make the decision to do something for him? And maybe you're here tonight. If I were to ask you the question, maybe you say, are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? And you'd, you'd just be honest and say, no, I'm not. The most important thing you can do is what you do with Jesus Christ. Yes. If you're here tonight and you do not know for sure that you'd go to heaven tonight if you died, why don't you make this the night that you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior to get that security that one day when you die, you're going to be with Him. Amen. Here in a moment, I'm going to have everyone stand, and if that's you, you come forward. Pastor Jed and others here, gentlemen here, can help you or ladies can help you and they can show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. And Christian, if you're here tonight and God's dealt with your heart and you need to make a decision tonight, when the, when the invitation starts and the musician starts playing, then you come.